Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friday wrap-up. Um, this is going to be a loaded show because this week, man, it feels like the rails fell off in the boxing community and people are just tripping, man. And I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, things started, I guess, racially charged because of the Bud Crawford lawsuit, which obviously we'll talk about. And that got everybody hypersensitive. And then um, this thing with Triller pulling the la the latest episode of the Three Knockdown Rule, where Pauli Malignaggi was a guest, and he uh, gave a lot of hard hard opinions that that uh, were his opinions, his personal feelings, and uh, many of them offended people. Um, you know, uh, people saw them as insensitive uh, at best, maybe may worse than that. So Triller ultimately pulled the plug on that show. And so um, there's just a lot of screaming and yelling going on on boxing Twitter, uh, in particular boxing Twitter. It's also YouTube and everywhere else. And there's been a handful of people just beating me up all week going after me. And I'm used to that. I tuned that stuff out. I just block these people. But um, some of it, you know, you guys have, have showed me. And, and what's what's upsetting is some of my colleagues in the media, particularly Jake Donovan, who is a colleague at Ring, um, you know, he retweeted some of this stuff. So even he got fooled by it, bamboozled by these people misrepresenting me. Um, and he wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one. So, so, you know, it's been personal for me this week. And I know some of this has affected you guys. So, look. Um, I'm going to go into this. We're, we're going to chop it up like we always do. You guys know how we do here. The phone lines will be open. We'll take calls. But I, I just want to preface, okay, guys, this is sensitive material, all right? Now, I, you guys know I'm not a, a candy-ass beta male. I, I'm, I'm not a wokester, okay? I, I'm not with that. I'm not with any of that. But we do need to be sensitive. So if you're going to call in, you're going to give an opinion, and even you guys in the chat, I ask respectfully that we keep it civil and instead of yelling and shouting we listen and have a fucking dialogue like adults because that's just not happening right now people see something on twitter and they just retweet it they're just reactionary they don't even ask questions uh right before this show you know i had an interaction with a guy on twitter you know he doesn't follow me i don't follow him but he accused me of this, that, the other, because of a certain tweet going around. And to his credit, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name right now, brother, but uh, I'm assuming you're a guy. But um, he it, it just directly asked me, hey, man, what's up with this? And we talked it out. And he saw, oh, okay, so so it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, okay, cool. And we're cool. Boom, we dapped. It's good, right? And I'm like, man, why can't we do more of that on Twitter? Just, you know, especially among colleagues, people that work together and work in the same business, we should be able to at least do that instead of trying to one up each other and constantly um, just yelling and everyone trying to get to their talking points. You know, everyone's so quick to try to one up the other and, and have this, uh, you know, gotcha moment. So um, quick super chat from Aaron. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. He says, Mike is the man. Thanks for giving us great content and hope you have a great 2022. Same to you, man. Uh, he adds, I'm just wondering, how did Andre manage to never fight Lara Charlos or Trout at 154? Damn, bro. Uh, good question. Um, wow. I, I can't answer that. I, I simply cannot answer that. And also, he's managed to not fight 
one of the Charlos at 160. Uh, he's not fighting as mandatory, at least not yet. And um, he hasn't fought some of the other top middleweights. So, uh, look, he signed on to fight Billy Joe Saunders. You know, that that getting messed up, that is 100% on Saunders, not Andre. So I won't blame him for that one. But he has made so many errors in the way he's conducted his business from 154 up to present. Um, it, it's hard to feel sorry for the guy. He's grossly overpaid for, for what he brings in financially. And instead of getting in the ring and fighting and, and, and creating demand, he just, he crashes press conferences. And, and it's like, I have nothing against Andre. He's, he's a very interesting personality and um, he's a damn good fighter. He's a pretty damn good fighter. So I'd like to see him against all those names and some of the other names that are out there. Um, but the dude's just made so many missteps, man. A lot of them. Okay. Olaf the Mighty is upset. He goes, can you get to what you're talking about? You're Dowd, Dowdling. I don't know what Dowdling means. Um, well, listen, Olaf, you're already getting testy in the chat, and I just asked you guys to chill a little bit. Look, man, sensitive subject matter, and everyone needs to, you know, take their time and make sure that they're speaking clearly here, okay, including myself. Um, so I, I'm going to speak a little bit of just – I need to get something off my chest. I need to rant a little bit about something and I'm probably going to get a little heated about it. But after that, we're going to move forward and we're going to talk about these other issues. Okay. We're going to talk about the Bud Crawford top rank thing. And we're going to talk about the Pauli Malignaggi Triller thing. Um, by the way, I reached out to Pauli today. We, we briefly communicated and he said he would be interested in coming on the show. Him and I have talked about that for like over a year. Uh, it just hasn't happened, you know, and for a while, there was a timing thing with him with um, a payout agreement and all this stuff going on with his former employer. But um, as it stands now, he would be down to come on the show. I don't know if Ring would want me to bring him on to the neutral corner. So maybe I'll bring Paulie here on my channel and we could do that. Let me know if you guys would be interested in that because he said he'd be willing to do it and speak about some things. So I'm going to get to that later. First, I have to start with with something. Um, and just bear with me guys. Okay. There are a handful of people that go after me on Twitter. And again, I take it as a compliment because it means I'm growing in status and these guys are just hating. And the more that happens, the more they're going to happen. So I'm cool with it. What I don't appreciate is that I'm misrepresented so often that it becomes factual in some people's minds who don't know me and even some colleagues of mine in the business are starting to retweet this stuff and believe it so i should state and i think it's relevant to this entire show today and everything that's going on this week i i'm putting this out there politically i am a free speech absolutist okay i i do not apologize for that i am a free speech absolutist i truly truly believe in the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. And I think that the freedom of speech is the most fundamental right to all adults. Now, children shouldn't have freedom of speech. You're a child. But if you're a, a one of the privileges of being a grown adult is freedom of speech. Okay. Uh, unless, of course, let, let me add this little footnote because it's 2022. Of course, if you're calling for violence or you're putting out someone's private information publicly or something, that's I'm not talking about that. That's crossing a line, obviously, okay? There are instances where you can't do that, okay? 
but short of that sort of thing. Okay. We are not breaking the law. I am a free speech absolutist. And there are people that regularly say things that I find cringeworthy, that I completely disagree with. I find unprofessional, distasteful, whatever you want to say. Uh, things that even, it, it really takes a lot to offend me, but every now and then somebody says something that actually offends me. I'm good with all that. And that is their right. All right. And I'm not just some guy saying that as some political talking point. I'm not just some guy sitting behind my keyboard with a picture, you know, my profile picture being something that's not me, uh, pushing some political agenda or being a keyboard warrior. All right. I fucking fought for it. I am a former United States Marine. I was 18 years old when I joined the Marine Corps. Now, full disclosure, the Marine Corps was a way out for me out of a bad situation I grew up in. It, it gave me a leg up in the world and, and a way to get out of that. I'm grateful. So yes, I benefited from my service. But one of the things that as I traveled the world a little bit and saw the way things work, even at a young age, um, I learned a lot. You know, you become very privy to things. Um, and I thought the world owed me a fucking favor because I, poor me, I grew up working class in a trailer park to parents who weren't old enough to buy a beer. Poor Mike. But then I traveled a little bit and said, Mike, shut the fuck up. You got it pretty fucking good because I live in this country. And I apologize to my international listeners for this little rant because it's very American centric. I promise we'll, we'll, we'll move past this. Okay. But I want to make this clear. I served in the United States military. I signed up to serve, to fight, to put my life on the line and possibly give my life to protect my rights and the rights of all American citizens, regardless of their racial or ethnic background, their political persuasion, their uh, religion, their socioeconomic status, their political persuasion, all, all of it, okay? I signed my fucking name on the dotted line and did that to protect free speech, okay? It's not just something I say as a talking point. It's something I fucking served to protect. So. When some of you cocksuckers on Twitter who have never fucking met me sit behind your fucking keyboard and purposely take a 10 second clip out of an hour and a half long show from six, seven fucking years ago to purposely misrepresent me and paint me in a negative light, or you save sc uh, screenshot a tweet from fucking years ago from a long thread a conversation, you remove all that. You take one little tweet and you purposely falsely misrepresent me. And you constantly do this behind your little fucking tablet or whatever you're using to tweet out. You little beta fucks who never got off your ass and have never fucking served your fellow man, let alone your country, let alone protected anybody's freedom of speech, including your own. You want to cancel me? I'm the fucking guy that went out and served for your fucking rights, and you want to cancel me, someone you've never fucking met, and a handful of you actually have met me. You've met my wife. You've met members of my family. You know I'm not the person you're representing me to be. You people 
represent everything that is wrong with our fucking society right now. You are the reason why the fabric of our society is being torn apart. You're everything that's wrong. And you know what you're doing is wrong. And none of you motherfuckers ever call these numbers here. I don't hide my face. I put it out here. I don't hide the number to the show. It's on my Twitter profile, the numbers to the show. I invite any of you to call, but you cocksuckers never call. You never show up at the fights and talk to me in person. You sit behind your safe little screen and tweet things that are selectively edited to try to cancel a person who literally signed to fucking give their life for you. So fuck you. I'm done even trying to reason with you people. Block, block, block. You want to take that as a badge of honor? You want to think that makes you cool? Cool story, bro. So that's it, guys. That's all I had to say about the personal stuff this week, the personal attacks. By the way, I want you guys out there to understand, if you see something that looks messed up and, and you're like, damn, Mike said that? Mike, Mike did this? All you got to do is ask me. I'll explain it away. You could call into the show or you could tweet me, DM me, and I'll explain it. Because I'm telling you right now, I admit I've, I've made off-color jokes. I've uh, tried to express things in a tweet or a soundbite that didn't quite come out the way I meant it to come out. And upon later reflection, I realized, yeah, I could see how somebody could misinterpret this. So I delete the tweet or delete whatever it is. Um, but you guys know I'm well-intentioned. Now, I, I'm passionate. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm willing to kind of step on the line and, and, and challenge authority. And that rubs people the wrong way. Um, but, and I don't subscribe to the woke shit. And I, and I don't treat certain groups of people differently than others. I don't view certain groups of people as my pets. I view all of humanity as my equal. So therefore, I treat everybody the same and hold everyone to the same standards. And to a very small group of people out there in the Twitter sphere and all that, um, that's like crazy, right? Because they have this hierarchy of privilege and all these social hypotheses that they run their life through. They'll look at a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and find some way to make it racial, right? The other 90% of us don't feel that way. The difference is that 10%, they dominate the media space, academia, the entertainment industry, and all that, of course, includes boxing. So they live in a bubble, and they don't realize how radical they are and how much the average human being has nothing in common with them. Most of us get along, and we can have disagreements and see things different ways, and sometimes we can have an argument, you know, a real argument. But in the end, we realize that we're pretty much the same. We all kind of want the same shit and we all kind of get along. And pretty much most of us love each other. You know, that's what I see when I go outside. But Jesus Christ, if you log on to your Twitter this week, particularly boxing Twitter, you would think that like the apocalypse is upon us. Okay. I had to get that off of my chest, guys. Uh, just so, look, if you see something like that, if you feel like you want to defend me and go to bat for me, hey, that'd be great because no one is, no one does publicly. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, I understand. I understand why you'd be afraid because you could get canceled too. Okay. 
If you see something that looks weird, all you got to do is hit me up. And by the way, if you see somebody tweeting something fucked up about me, tweet them the number to the show and say, why don't you call into Mike's show? Because he'll listen to you and he'll, he'll talk it out with you. Because I will. All right. Let's talk about Terrence Crawford and top rank. First of all, let me, let me get a little sip of water. <laughs> ah, that's better. Everyone, take a deep breath. Shit's very, very uh, toxic this week, man. So Terrence Crawford filed a lawsuit against Top Rank, and um, he claims racial bias, right? Now, I'm sure you guys read the little debrief that was posted on all the boxing news sites. And by the way, I should mention, um, I was on the, the HCP, the Hispanics Causing Panic Roundtable last night, and we talked about this. It's on Maestro's channel. Okay, so you guys look for that. Uh, we hit on this. We hit on this subject and several others. So I think you guys might enjoy that discussion. There was like six, seven of us on the panel. It was really, really cool. Um, but I'm sure you guys saw what was in that debrief, right? And the the stuff that they they kind of put in a couple of quotes, apparently from Bob Arum, and a, a couple of anecdotes, and that was their quote unquote proof of racial bias from Bob Arum. And I'm sure most of you watching this were like me, and you probably read that and kind of said, that's it? that That's that's all you got? Because there's no fucking meat to this. That's like a fucking sandwich with no meat. That's just bread, bread, mayo, maybe some cheese, but there's no fucking meat, right? So unless Terrence Crawford and his team have some sort of smoking gun evidence that they're hiding from the public right now, whether it be, let's say, screenshots of emails where Bob Arum's using using racial epithets or or uh, voice recordings where he's using racial epithets or um, a former top rank employee, let's say, let's say Bob Arum directed them like, hey, pay this fighter half as much as that fighter because he's of another race. Like if something like that took place, OK, that's obviously th that's racism and that that's bias at best, racism at worst, right? Short of that, there's nothing to this argument, nothing to it. And actually, if you look at the chain of events, it goes directly against what Terrence Crawford is accusing. And I could talk about that. We could talk about Crawford's career for an hour, but just really briefly, guys, I mean, he just fought Sean Porter and I believe he got $6 million for that fight. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know it was a career high payday. OK, in his last fight with top rank, he got a career high payday. Uh, so if they're racist, they're kind of doing it wrong <laughs> uh, to give a guy his best payday on the way out. And other than Tyson Fury, Terrence Crawford over the last four or five years has been top ranks highest paid client. Also, people talk about the fact that Terrence Crawford re-signed with top rank in 2018. Um, it does look kind of strange. If, if you thought these guys were racist, why would you resign with them? But also it's a two-way street. Top rank resigned with Terrence Crawford. If they were bigots and hated black fighters, why would they resign him? Because the guy doesn't make any money. They had worked with him for several years. They knew his market value wasn't very good. Um, he doesn't work well with the media and outside of Omaha, he doesn't do the, the media stuff. He's not good on the mic, not good on camera doesn't market himself, isn't really act that active on social. What he does post is him fishing and stuff like that, like on Instagram. Um, 
you know, he, he's just not very active on the podcast and things like that. They knew what they were getting in 2018. So if they had some bigoted motivation, why resign him? It just doesn't add up. And then the, the amount of money that they overpaid him. You guys got to remember, top rank has receipts. <laughs> if there's a deposition in court, they're going to be able to go in court and say, here's their trending analysis reports or sales reports on the pay-per-views. Here's what we paid him. Here is our revenue with you know sponsorships, TV money, casino money, what have you, ticket sales. Here's how much money we lost on this fight, that fight, that fight, that fight. And then we re-signed him and lost more money on that fight, that fight. They're going to be able to show that, right? They're also going to be able to show um, or talk about instances where it's like, you know, we had a presser set up here. We had a media event there. there. He didn't show up. He didn't want to do this one. He didn't want to do that one. Uh, you know, things like that. They got their ducks in a row. They're, they're going to come to court with all that information. Now, here's the part of the lawsuit that may have some teeth, okay? There's only one part, and that is apparently, uh, without getting into a bunch of crazy detail, there is apparently a $900,000 bonus uh, that Crawford was supposed to get because he didn't get the, uh, another fight in 2020, okay? So a judge might side with him on that and say, you know what, top rank, pony up this 900 grand. Then again, top rank might go to the judge and say, what about an act of God clause? I mean, if there was an earthquake and the fight got canceled, you wouldn't blame us for that. If there was a tornado or a hurricane, you wouldn't blame us for that. Uh, if he got injured and couldn't fight, you wouldn't blame us for that. There was a global fucking pandemic in 2020. The industry was shut down for six months. So that's not on us. We were the first promoter, in fact, if this is top rank talking, we were the first promoter to come back to boxing. We did a summer bubble series, but we were paying those fighters 20 grand a pop. So Terrence Crawford's guarantee is over $3 million. Obviously, he couldn't fight on the bubble series unless he was willing to take short money. Now, we don't know, but perhaps they tried to negotiate something like that with Crawford. I don't know. I doubt it, but I'm just putting that out there. But even if um, they wanted to do a fight with Crawford. There is no, they couldn't sell tickets, right? And Terrence Crawford is not a guy that sells pay-per-views. The only way they could try to pay him his guarantee is if they went the pay-per-view route in late 2019. And who is he going to fight on pay-per-view that would bring in the kind of money that they need to meet his purse, his purse demands? There was nobody. They were frozen out by PBC and there was just nobody available. So I think a judge is going to hear all that and probably side with top rank. But let's just assume, let's just assume that the judge sides with Terrence Crawford on this. Okay, so you get 900 grand. Cool. You got legal fees and all this other crap. So let's say he walks away with $500,000, okay? Fuck it. Let's say the lawyer's doing this shit pro bono and he walks away with 900 grand. Okay, you just made $6 million, right? You got an extra $900,000 here, but you're going to be sitting out of the ring in court handling this, and you just burned a major bridge. Not only that, did you burn this bridge with top rank slash ESPN, but you put a huge red flag on yourself for every other promoter to work with you. If you were a promoter and you saw the relationship that Top Rank and 
Terrence Crawford had, which wasn't perfect. And I'll talk about top rank not being perfect in just a second, okay? I'm just strictly talking about the lawsuit right now, guys. Um, if you saw that, would you want to sign him? If you saw the way it ended? When, when, when they, these two finally, this is like a, a couple that breaks up and, you know, the, the jealous dude calls the girl a whore afterwards or something or, you know, post uh, a sex tape they did on the internet or something after they get back at her, right? Because she broke up with him. That's like kind of what this smells of. Um, but if you Crawford and you get 900 grand, that's a fraction of the purse you just got. And you just publicly kind of ruined your name. You kind of tarnished your name. And for what? For 900 grand? Now he's asking for 10 million or something like He's not going to get that. There's no substance to his racial argument unless, and I have to say this, unless there's something we don't know. And maybe there is. Maybe there's a treasure trove of all sorts of stuff that proves Bob Arum is a racist, right? Uh, I doubt it. I'm just putting that out. I, I doubt it. But it, look, maybe. But it, assuming that doesn't exist, he's not getting $10 million. He'll be lucky to get $900,000. He's going to have legal fees after that. And then every promoter is going to look at this guy and say, I don't know if I want to work with this motherfucker. Because we'll work together, and he's going to call me a racist if I don't pay him enough. Like, Jesus Christ. The only promotional outfit where Terrence Crawford can go now is PBC, right? And it would make sense for him to go to PBC. It really, really would. But on the PBC podcast, which I didn't even realize existed until about a week ago, Tim Smith, vice president of PBC, basically stated straight up, you know, we can't pay Terrence what he wants. He doesn't demand, he doesn't command that kind of fan presence. He doesn't bring in the finances. He hasn't been built into a pay-per-view star, as he called it. So look, look, Terrence Crawford just made $6 million, right? Again, correct me if I'm wrong, against um, Sean Porter. So now that's his threshold, right? Even before that, I think he was guaranteed over $3 million with his fights with top rank. Most of the guys at PBC don't get that much money. Um, their guaranteed purses certainly are not that high. But let's say now he's at that $6 million threshold. What's he going to want? If he got $6 million for Porter, what's he going to want to fight Spence? He's probably going to want $10 million. But assuming he'd be cool with $6 million, which I don't think he would, assuming he'd be cool with $6 million, if you go to Errol Spence and say, hey, we're paying um, Terrence Crawford $6 million, will you fight him? Errol Spence will say, yeah, for twelve. And you know what? I wouldn't blame Errol Spence. I'm not saying I love this stuff, guys. You know I'm not a pocket watcher. I hate the finance bullshit. But let's let's keep it real. Both of these guys have had three pay-per-views. Errol Spence's pay-per-views have done a reported almost 800,000 pay-per-view buys. Terrence Crawford's have done about, I want to say, at maximum 400,000. But it's probably three to 400,000 buys. So... He's done half of the pay-per-view business that Terrence Crawford, or I'm sorry, that, that, that uh, Errol Spence has done. So if you're Errol Spence, you're going to be like, look, man, if you're giving him $6 million, I want twelve. I want at least ten. You guys, you start doing the math. They got to do, what, 600,000 pay-per-view buys or something? Are you guys convinced they do that? Are you convinced? I'm sure they could sell out the MGM Grand in, in Las Vegas or something like that. 
Uh, I think Spence's fans would travel there. I think Bud's fans have traveled to Vegas in the past from Omaha. So in terms of selling tickets, I think they do a pretty good gate, although PBC really overcharges a lot of times, and they end up having to slash and discount tickets right before the fight. Um, But I don't know if they bring in the money that Crawford's going to demand. So he's put himself in a really, really bad position with this. If you thought that you weren't promoted well by top rank, if you felt that you should be a bigger star and that they didn't do their job, stick to that. Put out a lawsuit talking about that, but adding this racial stuff to it when there's zero evidence and the actions don't really back up the accusations at all. uh, Dude, that's just putting you in a bad spot and it's making you look really, really bad. So this was the worst advice. Terrence Crawford could receive. Again, I have to say, unless there's a smoking gun that we don't know about. Short of that, this is the worst move he could have made. Truly the worst move because, look, man, top rank still has Josh Taylor, uh, Tiafima Lopez, Jose Carlos Ramirez, Jose Zapata. They've got guys that Crawford could fight. They do. PBC has more, obviously. But PBC, any fight that's competitive, they want to go on pay-per-view. And Crawford's going to demand too much money to go that route. So uh, he's just a bad spot. I think ultimately he'll end up going to the PBC. That's what he'll do, and they'll figure something out. But this was just a bad move, in my opinion, and nothing's going to come of this. All right, let me uh, jump up to the Super Chat real quick here. We've got a couple Super Chats. Some of you are just getting on the show. You guys missed my rant earlier. <laughs> uh, Trent with the super chat. Thank you so much, man. He says, Andre doesn't want Janabek at 60. and doesn't want Zach Parker at 68. What's he doing? I rate him over David Morrell. Zach Parker is better than Morrell. I don't know, man. I, I, I really, I don't know what Demetrius Andre is doing. I don't know. And, and I've, I've said before, if he... Um, avoids Janabek and ends up getting Canelo, no harm, no foul, because Canelo's the top guy in the sport. Anyone would skip Janabek to fight Canelo. Anyone with a brain would do that, okay? I wouldn't blame him at all. But if he's not getting the Canelo fight, and I highly doubt he is, uh, I don't know what the hell he's doing. Now, he can force a Canelo fight if he moves up to 68, but he would have to dump his 160 belt And then he would become the mandatory. The WBO has a rule that they did the same thing for Usyk at heavyweight. So Andre would be the WBO mandatory at 68. So he'd be in a good position. But Canelo would have, I think, a whole year to fulfill that obligation. Also, um, Canelo could just dump the fucking belt because he's above the belt. He's won the belts now. All his fans care about is that he unified and won the belts, right? So he could dump the belt and do whatever the hell he wants, honestly. So uh, Andre's in a tough spot, and he kind of put himself here. It's you know again, I, it's hard to feel bad for him. Drew with the super chat, thank you so much, bro. He says you racist, Mama Luke, share Nana's recipe. Hey, I posted a video the other day of that uh, Pontonesca I made this this weekend. And by the way, it was freaking great, freaking great. <clears throat> just didn't make uh, we we had made meatballs earlier. I just didn't film that. I need to do more uh, cook, cooking stuff on my channel because I think you guys like that. All right. Um, before we get to the Triller, Paulie Malignaggi stuff, I want to jump over. We got a couple calls. 
So let me take these calls. It looks like we got Nacho on the line here. Um, and then uh, we'll go. We'll get to the stuff with the three knockdown rule, okay? Let's jump to uh, 805. Nacho, what's up, man? Hey, Mike, what's going on? Chilling, bro. All right. Uh, well, if you don't mind, right now that you brought that up, um, that's kind of something I wanted to talk about, actually. Um, and you, you, me and you kind of were talking about this on Twitter earlier today. Um, yeah, it's just bullshit. These guys that uh, obviously have an agenda and they don't like Paulie and they don't like, uh, you know, anybody that's not um, a homer for the PBC or the LDBC, they find all these little um, ridiculous uh, angles and, and they got their agenda as far as like, they're going to try to twist someone's words and then try to say like, oh, look at what this guy said. It's completely racist. But in reality, they're not adding any kind of context to it. They're literally taking like a couple of sentences and then trying to frame it in a certain way to make that person look bad i mean it's unfortunate that they took the interview down because if people had a chance to really listen to it before they uh took it down they would have seen that paulie didn't do anything wrong he just made the statement of they um they treated george floyd um the way they did because of the fact that in his mind the fact that he put up resistance is what ended up uh, getting them uh, hurt and getting them to, you know, put their uh, put the the cop that did it, that Chauvin, put his knee on his neck. And I mean, I don't think that's wrong because, like I was telling you on Twitter, Mike, I've had cops, um, you know, pull me over, and then I didn't do anything wrong, and I got guns pointed at me, and then I'm getting over here handcuffed and thrown on the. Uh, on the, on the sidewalk, and then they're talking about, oh, we're going to search your car for, you know, guns and drugs. And I'm like, what the hell? And then they don't find shit, and then they uncuff you, and then they go, oh, and then you ask them why they did what they did, and they're like, oh, well, you know, your car matches the description of uh, another vehicle that was involved in a drive-by. And I'm like, man, are you kidding me? Like, what the hell? So trust me, when it comes to being treated by the cops, uh, in a disrespectful, uh, almost in, in unfair way, I've experienced that myself. So Me what too. he said, as far as police brutality and, and the way they treat you, it, 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 he wasn't lying. I just think the one thing that he said that I thought was not cool, and I told you that on Twitter, was that he should have not called George, George Floyd a crackhead. I thought that was uncalled for, <sighs> and I thought that was disrespectful. And that just didn't, he didn't need to say that. He should have just kept that to himself and, and he should have just left the point of him being uh, brutalized by the cops as, as what his statement was. And that's really what it was. It was just that comment <coughs> that makes him look really bad. And that's why he shouldn't have said it. But, you know, unfortunately, there's going to be people out there who who got agendas and they're going to want to, you know, do stuff because they, they, they don't like people and, and they're going to want to cancel them. And it's unfortunate, but you know, what are you going to do? Triller already felt the heat, I guess. And they were like, yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and take it down. I'll say this. <laughs> so, it, was, it was above Triller. It was a, above Triller. Even the, that the people that came down to take this thing off, 
I, I can't really speak on it. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah, it was even above their head. <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, but you know, yeah, they it, they didn't fight. They didn't fight it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they just wanted it to go away, which right. you know it, I understand it, but at the same time, it sucks that people can do that to someone when in reality that wasn't the case, you know. But anyway, you know that was my my piece on that. Um, and the whole Crawford thing, I agree with you, Mike. Um, unless he's got a bombshell yeah. in in his back pocket that can legitimately prove this whole, oh, my promoter was just so racist that he went out of his way to sabotage my career. I don't know what Crawford's doing at this point because, like you said, you're over here ruining your relationship with the promoter who's basically um, started you in the business and got you all these million-dollar paydays, and now you're going to turn around and crap all over the guy and, and basically disrespect him in public. And yeah, it's just a bad look. So if he ends up going to the PBC, I'm going to be really curious to see how, how they end up uh, structuring his money in order for him to get the kind of money that he wants. Because like you said, outside of pay-per-view, Mike, and outside of him fighting big names, he's not going to get the kind of money he was getting uh, over there that he was at top rank. Yep. So, you know, good luck to him if if he thinks he's gonna if he thinks he's gonna be able to get that or more from them because at this point I don't see it. And uh, and then the, the the last thing I just wanted to to bring up with uh, Joe Smith, it sucks that his opponent Callum Johnson fell out because he got COVID. Um, you know, I give props to Top Rank to, for finding a guy who was training and could come in on short notice to save save the fight at least that way joe smith doesn't uh you know do all of that for nothing um <clears throat> you know at this point it becomes a stay busy fight and hopefully joe smith gets this out of there and looks good doing it and then eventually he gets a shot at you know bivol zordo uh Baturbiev, who whoever whoever one of those top guys is available hopefully one of them will give joe smith a shot um you know next because I think he would definitely match up well with uh, with Zerto or with Viterbia. I know he already fought Bivol, but you know who knows? Like that fight might look different now. Get a, 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 yeah, it yeah, could yeah. because Bivol's gotten worse, and yeah. and I think Joe Smith has looked a lot better since that loss. Yeah, so yeah, I, I so I wouldn't mind uh, seeing that fight again. So yeah, Mike. All right, Mike. That's just my call. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Nacho. Yeah. Good stuff as always. Um, and Nacho here on a couple things. I want to make this point because um, I don't think this has been discussed. You know, Terrence Crawford is not a guy that was sought after the amateurs by the promoters. I'm looking here at his first 10 or so fights, and he fought under several different promoters' cards. Uh, Chester Kerner is, is the one guy he fought with uh, the most. And Chris Middendorf was the matchmaker. So he kind of bounced around, man. And I'm looking here. He fought in Ohio. He fought in Iowa, Colorado, I think Pennsylvania, Tennessee. Uh, he was like all over the place. He was not a guy that was sought by the PBCs, the Golden Boys, right? Top rank took him as a guy that pretty much, I'm not going to say nobody had heard of him because that's 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 false. People had heard of him. 
he came up in the amateur system, but they got him right around, I want to say like 2012, maybe around there. And um, they eventually got him in there against what Brightest Prescott, Andrew K- uh, Klimov, and then they got him that title shot against Ricky Burns. Remember, guys, he had to travel over to Glasgow for that fight. So that tells you, like, he was the B-side to Ricky Burns at one point, Terrence Crawford. So Top Rank built him from there to a guy that would eventually win Fighter of the Year honors, a guy that's been seen as a pound-for-pound top fighter for the better part of a decade now, um, at least half a decade, right? Um, The undisputed junior welterweight champion of the world. And a guy that's made millions of dollars. I mean, they did that. No one else did that. No other promoter. It's not like top rank took him after somebody else had him. They built him cradle to grave, so to speak, right? Or cradle to present. Let's say, let's say that. Um, and I think overall, they did a pretty good job. Now, some of Bob Aram's comments, and I, I should have mentioned this earlier. So real quick, guys, before I get back to the phones, let me just say this. Bob Aram is a 90-year-old man. He was literally born before World War II, okay? He goes back almost a century. He's an old guy. I can understand why some people would listen to or hear Bob Arum's, some of his comments, and take them as, let's say, unprofessional, right, at times, um, insensitive, out of touch. I get that. I get that, okay? But it's not pointed in one direction. Because let's not pretend that he didn't ream Mike Coppinger a new asshole last year. He went after Kate Abdo, right? Um, He went after MMA fans years ago. There's there's an interview that goes back years and years where he called MMA fighters and fans skinheads. He called them Nazis. (laughs) And then he called them homosexuals. I think the fighters he called homosexuals and he called the fans Nazis, uh, skinheads. So he's gone after pretty much everybody. Okay. Uh, he said anyone that voted for Trump is a moron and a racist. He's basically uh, insinuated that, which was half the country in 2016, whether you liked them or not, whatever. I'm apolitical. I'm just saying. Um, so, so he's kind of gone after every group, right? Um, I remember in an interview once he said all Russian fighters do steroids. I remember him saying that about the Klitschko brothers. Uh, we know Vitaly had performance enhancing drugs once as an amateur. Vladimir never tested positive for anything. But I remember one time uh, Aram said all Russian fighters do steroids. Then he ends up representing a bunch of Eastern European fighters later on. This guy talks a bunch of shit. And at this point, he's a 90-year-old crotchety old man who wants to chew on his gummies, fly around promoting boxing events. He's only got a few years left on this planet. He's kind of just living it up and saying whatever the fuck he feels like saying. And that's that. Now, if he crossed a line, then he should be held accountable. And we'll find out if Terrence Crawford has some kind of bomb, as Nacho called it, right? But the stuff that has been shared publicly that he said, while, again, unprofessional at times, definitely out of touch at times, and maybe insensitive to to certain people out there who are very sensitive about this stuff, uh, sure, sure, we can can argue that. We We can discuss that. But racist? It, it, no, no. It, it, keep, it, keep this in mind, too. I'll say this one last thing, and then we'll move on. Bob Arum is a businessman. Bob Arum is all about green. If there's any color that he's biased about, it's green, okay? He is a businessman first and foremost. If you were 
racist against black fighters. And you had worked with Terrence Crawford for five years or so, and you were losing money with him. And your, your focal point is making a profit. Why the fuck would you resign him? It just doesn't make sense. Why the fuck would you overpay him? It doesn't make sense. Clearly, they respected Crawford as a fighter. But I do agree. Some of the things uh, Aram said about uh, Crawford saying like, oh, I could buy a, a mansion in Beverly Hills with the money I'm losing on his fights. That was stupid. That was just stupid. It was in poor taste and unprofessional and stupid. And I would advise against it. Not racist, though. All right, quick super chats and then back to the phones. Um, Drew says Usyk was undisputed uh, super champ. Andre does not. So Parker is the lead at 168 for the WBO shot. That's a great point, dude. Thank you for correcting me on that. Interesting. I wonder. Now we're talking WBO. WBO has a rule where if you give up your belt and move up and wait, you're supposed to be named mandatory. But that's an interesting thing. I'd have to look into that. Maybe that's what is causing Andre to delay right now. Huh. I didn't think about that. Ray Valero with the super chat. Uh, thank you. He says, Happy New Year, Mike. I'm not too big on women's boxing, but I'm actually kind of hyped for Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Who do you believe should be the favorite? Uh, I would say the favorite should be Katie Taylor right now. But I'm 55-45 on that fight. Amanda Serrano has a ton of experience, a ton of experience. And she's fought a little bit of everyone and, and in different disciplines too, right? So that's a very competitive fight. That is quite possibly, I got to think about this, but it's quite possibly the best matchup in women's boxing history. Yeah, that might sound like hyperbole, but think about it. I'm probably right. CJ Duncan, my man, with the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, I'm a few minutes behind on the video. Respect the opening monologue. Thank you, brother. I respect you. Hope all is well out there in Vegas. Trent with another super chat. Thank you. He says, no, Parker is already WBO 168 mandatory. Boo-boo, don't want to. Okay, okay, so you guys corrected me. Thank you for that. Thank you very much, guys, for correcting me on that. I got to be honest. I don't pay that much attention to the sanctioning organization nonsense these days because uh, it's just too much to keep up with. So thank you for correcting me on that. That's interesting, man. Boo-boo's in a tough spot. He needs to find this damn mandatory. It's the best thing he could do. Papa Chubby with the super chat. Thank you, Chad. He says, I will wait for you for to discuss the three knockdown rule, and then I'll call in. All right, we'll do that. <clears throat> Maestro's on here. What's up, Maestro? What's up, man? I had a great time on the show last night. Guys, make sure you check out Maestro's channel. He's awesome. Uh, Maestro, I remember you calling into the next round back in the day, Steve Kim's old show. Um, and I, you always had great points back then, dude. So I, I've been I've been listening to you for a long time. Cause that goes way back. That goes way back. And my man, Toreen Falk with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, you cannot be anti-black and then start top rank with Elijah Muhammad's son. Let that sink in. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that is, I will say this. Bob Aaron went to bat for Muhammad Ali when a lot of people in the industry who actually were fucking racist, uh, wanted to shut him out. So, um, and in fact, 
he has a grandson. Maybe you guys have heard of him. <laughs> um, uh, Nico Ali Walsh. I saw a tweet he put out uh, defending Bob Arum. And basically, he wasn't dissing Terrence Crawford, but he was definitely taking Arum's side on this whole thing. Um, I found that to be quite interesting. Okay, back to the phones we go. And then um, I promise I'll give my thoughts. I think I've gotten everything out about the top rank thing. And of course, you guys have any questions, I'll answer them. But I definitely want to hit on the Triller stuff. But let's get back to the phones. All right, uh, 617, Hello. you're on the show. What's going on? <laughs> hey, Mike, it's uh, Vlad, um, a.k.a. at who is at Who's Dark Prince on Twitter. Hey, what's up, um, Vlad? How you doing, man? Is hey, it snowing yeah, up there? Yeah, I'm going to give you a minute for it to register. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? Good, man. Is it snowing up there where you're at? Oh, man. Um, no, we had a, a crazy uh, snowstorm a couple days ago, um, okay. actually on Tuesday. Um, but right now it's going to be brutally cold tomorrow. That's the forecast. It's going to be high of 10 degrees, Fuck. low of two. Damn, yeah, dude. I need to be in Atlanta. <laughs> well, dude, they're saying I it's going to snow here Atlanta, Sunday. Man. They're saying it might snow here Sunday. Ooh. So, you know, like the whole city will shut down that's for an focus. inch of snow. It's hilarious. But I know that's not why you called. So <laughs> I can imagine. <clears throat> no, no, I called to show love. You know, I, I you know, uh, you know, I know you, so I've been meaning to call in and show support and chat it up with you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you on, man. Uh, I just wanted to touch on a few things. Um, for starters, incidentally, you touched on the fact that Terrence Crawford was bouncing around from promoter to promoter early in his career. Um, that's true, obviously. Incidentally, Mikey Garcia is the one who introduced him to Bob Arum. Bob Arum asked Mikey Garcia if he knew any fighters. Um, that he could sign. Um, and Mikey Garcia is the one who said, yeah, I know this guy named Terrence Crawford. Wow. And it's just funny how they both ended up leaving top rank. With the same Bob lawyer. I just the same lawyer. Yeah, With dude. The same lawyer. You couldn't write a script better than that. Hell no. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, that I just think it's funny how, I don't know if that's life coming full circle or just going down the drain. Um, in any case, uh, okay. I know we're going to talk about the three knockdown rule stuff later, but I kind of called to touch on that. I think you saw me kind of touch on it. Sure, go um, ahead. Man. With someone online on Twitter earlier. Um, I also wanted to talk about the Tim Smith stuff. Um, let me keep with the program that you set, uh, and let's just talk about, let me get this, this Tim Smith stuff out of the way. Um, one thing that everyone needs to bear in mind is uh, I thought a key thing Tim Smith said was in that uh, bogus interview he did on some unknown podcast I never heard of, he said <laughs> that he didn't know what Bud wants um, because they haven't even negotiated with Bud yet, right? Um, so I think it's funny how everyone's just assuming Bud's going to price himself out, uh, specifically Tim Smith and PBC, yet they haven't even interfaced with him yet or representatives to find out exactly what he does want. I would think that needs to be done first, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, it just seems kind of weird that Tim Smith said that. Um, but regardless, I interpreted Tim Smith's comments as him just setting the table of ex expectations for negotiations with Team Crawford. I don't think that, as he said, they haven't spoke to him yet. So I think they're trying to just manage his expectations financially a bit um, when he comes to the PBC and discusses some type of deal with them. And I get that. It's just a business move. 
Um, they're just using their public platform to kind of do an inception of sorts into Bud's teams, members, brains that, you know, you need to kind of temper your expectations because we're not going to overpay you like uh, Bob Arum did. Gotcha. Um, nor should they. They should pay Bud what he's worth. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, and personally, I feel like it seems up to this point, Bud has kind of hinted that he might be independent. I think they're going to lowball him if he stays independent. Yep. Um, I don't think they have any incentive to overpay him. He's not Canelo Alvarez. The best option for them. Exactly. You can't command that type of monetary uh, attention from everybody because your pay-per-views don't support that. That's why I personally feel the best option for Bud from the outsider looking in is to sign with the PBC because we know the PBC is not going to allow Spence to lose and, and just them to be left with nothing. I think they want to sign Bud so that regardless of who wins or loses, they have the winner in their company. Because um, PBC seems like they can add, offer Bud the best option, yeah. uh, which I feel like if he did sign with them, the path would be a Thurman fight, um, which they've kind of been uh, kind of angling towards. Um, obviously the Spence fight, and then an eventual shot at the Charlo Castano winner if he Bud wins and he moves up to 154. I think that's a great path for Bud to close his career out on. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so I wanted to just touch on that. Um, lastly, the three knockdown rule stuff. Um, I want to state it very clear. I'm not LDBC. I think you know this, Mike. But for everyone in the chat, I am not LDBC. I am not a PBC fanboy. Um, I, even though I am a proud black man, I personally don't subscribe to BLM movement. Um, never have. Um, but what I disagreed in having, I actually watched the interview. Uh, did you I see the whole thing? With, what, the whole episode? I did. And okay. Okay. I, I yeah, and um, I don't want to give any names, but someone in the industry sent me a copy of this before it was even posted. So I, they didn't tell me they were going to do it. I didn't expect them to. Um, but putting two and two together, I probably thought, hmm, they probably want to see what a black man thinks about this. Mm. Um, and I gave them my opinion after I saw it. Um, you know, historically, I've always separated the art from the artist, which is why I watched every Floyd Mayweather pay-per-view, despite the fact that he has six domestic charges. Um, yeah. I personally don't care too much what the boxers do outside the ring. I am a, I am infatuated a stand of the sport of boxing. All I care is what happens in that circle of truth. Um, so personally, even though I disagreed with what Paulie said, I'm still a fan of Paulie the analyst, right? I still miss Paulie's analysis ringside, um, even after the comments. But I just disagreed with him saying systemic racism doesn't exist. Um, I also disagreed with, uh, which he did say, um, he also said that he didn't feel George, the George Floyd incident was racially motivated. I disagreed with that. And I also disagreed with what he said about Larry Merchant. I don't, Larry Merchant to me, one of the best, uh, you know, ringside commentators that we've ever had. I love Larry Merchant. He always was very insightful, very poetic, um, with the way he was able to analyze what was happening in the ring. And I personally loved that, and I just felt like what he was saying about Larry Merchant just came off as unfounded bias against him. I didn't, didn't even really know he dissed Larry Merchant. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he threw, he, 
brother, let me tell you, he went in his bag to hand out shade. Wow. Um, and Larry Merchant caught some stray bullets too. Uh, wow. And, you know, to be fair, I saw a lot of people online saying that they feel that Steve and Mario should be canceled as well. There was a point in the interview, Mike, where Steve literally, and you know how Paul is. I think we all do. He's like rapid fire when it comes to just him talking. Mm-hmm. Just all, you know, he's talking um, a million words a minute. There, So it was hard for them to even get in words. Um, and yeah. Paul seemed like he literally approached this show with the angle that he was going to get his story out. Because as he explained in the interview, Showtime had silenced him yes. and prevented him from uh, speaking on the incident that led to his departure for six months. And he had to wait that six month period, he explained, in order to get his severance package. Yes. And so uh, as in the interim, uh, that weasel, um, Stephen Espinoza, came out and was, you know, obviously talking to the media about it, seemingly knowing that Paulie couldn't report in the media as well. So I think Paulie had an agenda when he came on the show that he was going to explain his side of things, for better or for worse, as to what happened and what led to his departure from Showtime. Vlad, can I ask you this? How did the George Floyd oh, thing oh. come up? If they were talking, that was just part of his rant. Yeah, okay. that was just part of his rant. It's the same way the systemic racism, his views on systemic racism, came up. They didn't ask him about it. They didn't even suggest anything that okay. would lead to it. I mean, so I see, we all if people are mad at Steve and Mario, they didn't bring that subject matter up. No, not right? at all. I can. Okay. I literally watched from front to back. They didn't bring it up at all. And in Steve's defense, he did try. He did find a moment. It wasn't a lot. But he found a, a rare moment where he could interject between what Paulie was saying, and he tried to change the subject. Literally tried to change the subject to bring it back to boxing. Paulie literally told him, hold up, I'm not finished. And then went back into the rant about everything he was ranting about as it pertained to race relations. Okay. And so I don't think they should be blamed for any of that stuff. Um, yeah. this, they're a bo- boxing podcast. I'm very sure they invited him over to explain what happened with Showtime. I don't think they thought he would digress and go into so many other topics. Um, but they brought him on to talk boxing, and they didn't expect, I could tell, just from the look on Steve's face, that he was just like, oh boy, I, I don't know where this is going, but I'm just going to ride it out. And to, to their credit, they just let him talk. They didn't disagree with him. They didn't agree with him. Sometimes they laughed at some jokes, and hey, some of the jokes were funny, not going to lie. But they just let him talk. And I thought, as journalists, that was the best thing for them to do. Just yeah. let him say his piece. Yeah, okay. I, um, I so wish I had all. seen it. But you know what's funny, man? Like, like So I, I heard that the episode got pulled. And I don't know if you saw, but I tweeted today. I said, man, they pulled the episode. What the fuck? I tweeted something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I replied to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. So people took that as me defending some of these comments. And like when I tweeted that, I had no idea that any of this. I again with Larry Birch, and I didn't even know that. So you just said it. I see. But the George Floyd, I I didn't know because I hadn't listened. I just figured Polly, because I know before Polly had talked about the politics of boxing, how the A side gets favoritism. He went after Deontay Wilder's resume at different times and. Um, he, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I remember him saying he thought he got fired because he told the truth about Wilder and that was part of why they kicked him out of Showtime. Yep. 
I thought it was yep. that kind of stuff you talk about, but people just assumed, and that's the problem with Twitter, man. They just assumed that, and literally in the tweet, I said I had not watched the fucking show, but they just assumed <laughs> that me saying that meant I'm co-signing everything that was said on the show. Like, it's so crazy the leaps people take, you know? Um, so I'm so glad that you called because you've seen the show so you could give the details of, of what was said and how it was brought up. So that's awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's, and to be clear, Paulie's views aside, which I didn't completely agree with, it was a good up. It was a good interview. And moreover, I didn't, uh, I mean, I'm not a, someone who gets triggered anyways, but yeah. if I was, I didn't think anything he said was like triggerable, uh, cancelable. You know what I mean? Or that negative to where it would warrant them pulling the episode down. I think if anything, it just kind of, I mean, cause it, I mean, let's be honest as a result of the Showtime situation, Paulie just kind of had that stigma about him, at least in the industry, yeah. that, you know, racially, he might not be all there. I think all that interview did was just kind of support that stance. Meaning if you thought Paulie was a certain way, that kind of just reinforced what you thought. But I didn't think it was that bad that they had to pull it. But again, it's cancel culture. And as I told Steve privately, I would have hated if anything happened to him or Mario as a result of what Paulie said. That would have been unwarranted and unfair. Yeah, I agree. And I, I can tell you. Having said all this, okay. I still want to see Polly at ringside analyzing fights. <laughs> Even after all these comments, I value his ring analysis. I do too. I thought he was one of the best in the business at it. Maybe the best. Uh, I really Definitely. felt that way. And um, I know Polly is absolutely not a racist. He's, he's cool with everybody yeah, I don't think always he has been. And there's a lot of people in the industry, a lot of like fighters and stuff that have defended him. Um, but I will say this, and I don't want to get overly political, but Paulie is an outspoken Donald Trump supporter. And, uh, Oh, really? I did yeah, not know that. <laughs> he, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure he voted for Trump. And so Steven Espinoza and those guys, they, they think, you know, anyone who votes for Trump is a racist and a radical. They, they kind of have that opinion yeah, and they regularly tweet that. Right. So uh, Al Bernstein feels that right. way. And I think that's what put mm -hmm. the nail in his coffin more than anything else, honestly. Yeah. I mean, as a, if you listen to what Paulie said in the interview, he feels it was literally the Deontay Wilder situation because literally after his comments he said about Wilder, that's when Stephen Espinoza they wanted him to apologize, he explained. Um, literally just to say, I'm sorry, but Paulie didn't want to literally say, I'm sorry. Mm. And so that led to his departure, he explained, unfortunately. That's the world we live in. But I don't think he's racist. I don't think he's racist. I think you, I think you can be a Trump supporter and not be racist. You know, yeah, I think I, most I of them are. That racist tag, yeah, that racist tag is thrown too loosely nowadays. I we have... And friends that racism. voted for Trump. I have friends that voted for Biden. 90% of them, 99% mm. are, are really good people. It's the extremes on both ends that suck a fat dick. <laughs> I don't like either of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's, that's nice. what it is. But man, I got a bunch nice. of other calls, Speaking brother. Let me give you the last word before yeah, I got to let you go. But... One last point. Go ahead. One last point, Mike, and I promise you I'm off. 
everyone needs to remember that the sensationalized headlines about revolting race bias that we saw in New York Post, that does not make up the crux of Bud's lawsuit. If you look at the six charges he's actually um, he's, he's throwing against Aram, none of it has to do with race. This race thing was just in the introduction of the lawsuit, and it had one purpose, and it accomplished it. Grab a lot of headlines and draw attention to the lawsuit. But everyone needs to remember, the actual lawsuit has nothing to do, mentions nothing about race, racism, or racial bias. So that's not something Bud needs to prove once this court gets underway. He has six cl- six charges, and they're all related to just, uh, I think two of them are breach of contract. They're all contract related. You understand? Okay. None of it's about race. So it's not something he has to prove. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Sorry I took up too much of your time. No, dude. Um, love the show. Love you. Love we'll you be too, brother. Soon. I'm going to get to Atlanta as soon as possible. All right, man. <laughs> all right. Call in again, bro. Stay warm. Definitely will. Thank all you. Right. You too. <laughs> you too. There he goes, man. Guys, Vlad's an awesome guy. Awesome dude. I'm trying to, what, what fight did I, I think you were at, was it Chocolatito Estrada 2, where I saw you last? I think. But uh, just awesome guy. And we interact a lot on Twitter. In fact, I'm going to give that a, because of that last point he made. It's very, very interesting. And that, that you know, it, it, the lawsuit, if the race thing, was a very tiny part of the lawsuit. Boy, the reports didn't make it seem that way, right? They made it seem like that was the basis of the lawsuit. And that ended up being what was reported and talked about, what we just talked about here, right? Um, I hate that the media does that. I I can't stand it. But they know that's going to get people talking because people are so hypersensitive about it, particularly in the mainstream media. So if they did that on purpose, to get headlines. Damn, that's nasty. That's really nasty because it really, it's so divisive and it gets people amped up, man. Um, so that sucks, but that's just the way it goes, man. All right. Um, we got 818 on the show. 818, what's up? What's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. What's up, Mike? Hey, man, good show, man. And I'm um, sorry you're getting canceled because of your hairspray, bro. <laughs> That's right. Some dude tweeted a picture of my hair. It was, it was bashing my hair because I put gel in it. Oh, my God. That was yeah, funny. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> That's insane. But, anyway, nah, but uh, hey, hey, man, I, uh, you know, um, I'm the kind of person that, you know, respects everybody's opinion, never against nobody. Everybody has an opinion, you know. Um, so you're all good with me, but, you know, that's like, you know, I listen to you, but anyways, man, um, kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, that Polly uh, interview with uh, Three Knockdown Rule, um, and this kind of when it gets crazy, bro. So your last caller, right, um, had something. I-, I listened to the show as well. I probably uh, stopped the show like ten minutes before it was over because I was gonna uh, return and hear the rest of it. But um, this is kind of like where there's different opinions, and, and you know. Um, you know, you, you, you tell a person a story, then the person tells another story, and when he gets back to you, you know, it's, all, it's a whole different story, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, from, from what I remember hearing in, in the interview, just a little, you know, a couple of things that um, to, to differentiate what I heard about systematic uh, racism, he denied that, but he actually went ahead into the show, from what I remember, 
And he said, you know what, there is. And he gave an example of how um, he was uh, affected by it when he was in high school with his friends, how they got kicked out, and then they let him ha- they let a certain race go back in, blah, blah, blah. So um, that was one thing, you know. But uh, what I do agree with the last caller is that I think, you know, he did go in to talk about um, his whole uh, issue with the, the show, uh, when him getting uh, fired by Showtime. You know, um, people just made it, you know, the, the, the interview, like uh, me personally, I thought it was, uh, it, it just, people blew out of proportion. He was just, you know, giving his views and opinions. Mm-hmm. It is fine. It is what it is. You know, no, nothing, no harm done to, as, as far as, you know, I see it, you know, um, agree, agree or disagree with him. That's just his, his views. And he made it, you know, a point that to say that, you know, that's just my views, you know, everybody has different views, you know, um, but uh, you know the the what I heard from it the the reason why George Floyd came up is because that uh, um, he had uh, gotten um, I guess called or told by Showtime uh, or Espinoza to apologize because it was around that time that he made comments on a YouTube show regarding uh, racism or something like that. So like you know that's another thing that differentiates from what I heard than what your last caller heard, you know? So you, you can kind of see how, you know, sometimes things go out of proportion because people hear different things mm-hmm. or at least, you know, remember different things. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, that being said, you know, uh, with the whole thing, you know, I, I mean, I didn't think it was a big deal, to be honest with you, man. It's just, you know, it's just kind of hearing somebody else's opinion on something and people just blowing it up or being too sensitive because they're, you know, because they're either that the race that they're being taught that it's being talked about, or just they're just close-minded. You know what I'm saying? But um, that's my take on that one right there, bro. But uh, with the uh, Crawford situation, man, um, you know, it's kind of like everybody was saying, uh, it, how he's going to get paid the same amount that he was getting paid with top rank. You know, it it's not going to happen. Uh, even if you go to the PVC, you know, a lot of points where you made that somewhere uh, in other places. He's not guaranteed to get the spend fight right then and there, you know. Yeah. Um, They're gonna so, want to build that. You know, with this. Yeah, exactly. So you know, with this lawsuit going on, you know, personally, man, I think what what's gonna happen is Crawford. What he's like thirty six years old, right? Something like that. He's gonna be turning thirty six. Yeah, I think so. I think Let me double year? check. Yeah, he's he's only thirty four, but I think he'll be thirty five this year. Thirty five. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know he's. He's at that age. I mean, even Crawford himself says that you know, like he if he can't get the fights that he needs, he he does. He's good with what he's done, you know. And at the, he's he's you know his prime is almost you know he's almost out of his prime. If PBC doesn't pick him up, the only other um, you know network that I see uh, you know him working with is the Zone. That I think that's the only network that might actually pay him close to what he was getting just so the zone can kind of, you know, make that statement. Hey, you know where we got Crawford and, and this is all hot right now. Um, but you never know, you know? Um, so I, I, you know, it could go that way. And the only other viable opponent that he might have, if he goes to the zone, you know, maybe one of the, the last two fights he'll get is the Virgil Ortiz fight. I, I know he's been gunning for it. And, you know, uh, uh, Goldman said, you know, it's just a few more fights he'll be ready for a championship. Not right now, but he will. And, you know, that, that'd be a great fight, you know, uh, especially fight. when, uh, yeah, especially when Ortiz, you know, actually is ready for it. I don't think he's really ready for right, you know, ready right now, but I wouldn't mind seeing it regardless. But I mean, that would be mm. a, gr- a great fight, you know, to kind of pass the torch. But, 
you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm a play a lawyer right now. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, a lawyer would just go ahead and, um, you know, make, uh, or, you know, file a lawsuit against somebody without having, you know, something to work with or, or, or something, you know, something against the person they're uh, filing a lawsuit with. So there must be something, uh, obviously we don't know, you know, behind the yeah. scenes, but there has to be something there that they see, you know, because it just can't be, I want to do this just to do this, you know? Um, and, uh, and if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm, not a, a mistaken. It's the same lawyer that Mikey Garcia has that put uh, the, the lawsuit, right? So yeah. I mean, there has to be some something there, just like a like a caller before, you know, saying Mikey Garcia is the one that actually <laughs> introduced Crawford, I believe. So it's like it is coming full circle, you know. Um, yeah. But I mean, it, it's you know, it's crazy how these uh, these two, you know, um, uh, what's it called? These these two issues or, or news. Things came out. It's totally overshadowing, you know, the real, you know, fights that you know that we really want to see, or just the boxing um, world in general, man. I mean, you you probably have more insight on what's going on, you know, like as far as why they they um, you know they shut down that video and whatnot, you know. But I think like it's a little too far, you know. I mean, yeah, I I know you, you you some things off the record that I can't say publicly. I, I've talked to people, and I I know who did it. And the directive and all like, but I just can't talk about it, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, man, like, like I said, uh, like I said, personally with me, um, I, it, it, those issues, man, it, 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 you just lose energy fighting over a, a battle you can't win or you can't even, you know, um, agree to disagree, you know? Um, so I, I don't even pay attention to that. Um, I'm more of a boxing fan than anything, you know, and mm -hmm. that's what I really care about. And one quick thing, man, I might be just naive or I might not even, cause I'm not a, like a meat Twitter person or whatever, you know, um, but what the hell is LDBC, bro? <laughs> I don't even know what it stands for, but you know, I've, I made a decision this week. I I'm never going to tweet about the LDBC again or talk about it because I, I think, um, it's a community of boxing fans. And I think most of the people in the LDBC are just regular guys. They're just regular boxing fans, but there's some of them that did the Glovegate stuff about uh, uh, Tyson Fury and they do all the racial stuff and everyone's racist and there, there's all these conspiracy theories. It's not all of them. It's a small group of them, I think, that do that, but they're part of that community. And those guys have gone after me and, and I'm just going to stop mentioning mentioning them on my Twitter and on my channel from here on out. It's just not worth it. And I really have nothing against them, but I, I don't like the conspiracy theory guys and the race baiters, but I'm just not going to waste any more energy talking about them. Right. Right. Yeah. You're probably better off like that. And I mean, I, I didn't know who they were. I just I mean like me, you know, if I see something that I don't, don't like, or just, you know, doesn't feel right. I just ignore it. You know, um, just like when you uh, put out the tweet about the PBC podcast, you know, um, whoever listens to it, I used to listen to it, you know, you know, but you, you, when you listen to it, you kind of realize they're, you know, obviously they're biased, they're PBC mm -hmm. podcast, you know, so you go into it, you know, already knowing that. But when you have a narrative, like a narrative, a false narrative, you know, you, you can have a, uh, a narrative to, because you're from the PBC, but when you have false narratives, towards other fighters 
then that's kind of for me at least that's where drawing I mean uh, I think I mentioned you a while back uh, regarding this but you know I listened to a podcast once uh, at one point and uh, they had they actually said that Canelo was overrated um, <laughs> now hate love or hate Canelo you know uh, big fan or no fan of Canelo whatever whatever you think of him one thing he that he is not he's, he he's not overrated you know he's a yeah. pound for pound best right now he he is the face of boxing right now so for somebody to call him overrated you know it's like calling muhammad ali overrated you know um that that really turned me off and as of that time i i don't even listen to them anymore um just because of that you know that false narrative that they had and uh you know would have been great to listen to that tim uh, um you know uh interview but i did i just heard a little snippet of it and I just took what I took from it without, you know, actually listening to the whole thing mm-hmm. with Crawford. But that's another thing where you would kind of see why Crawford would not go with PVC or why, you know, it wouldn't change things around getting a fight with, with uh, Spence because of t- what Tim said, you know. So yeah. if anything, like I said, maybe uh, the zones is the one that might be getting Crawford out of all of them. It'd be interesting. Him and but, Virgil um, Ortiz. Hey, I'd like that. But yeah, hey, man, I got to get to these well, other calls, bro. But Hey, hey man, thanks. Take it easy, bro, and uh, don't get canceled, bro. All right? <laughs> yeah, I'll try. All right, man. All right, have a good weekend. Later, brother. <laughs> uh, a couple of good comments here. Um, Nacho says, Mike, uh, Vlad, the caller Vlad, said it's mostly breach of contract in regards to having a second fight in 2020. He's talking about the uh, Crawford lawsuit, obviously. Um, but – with the pandemic happening, how are they going to get around that and blame Top Rake and Bob for it? Yeah, Nacho, that's something I talked about right at the start of the show. Maybe you weren't on yet, but there's, you know, act of God clauses in most of these contracts. These boxing contracts are like 20 pages. And usually there's some sort of thing in there because look, man, you could have earthquakes, you can have hurricanes. There's stuff that comes up that you can't possibly predict when you sign for a fight. And the business was shut down for six months. So I don't know if he's going to even get that 900000 for the 2020 thing. Possibly. Uh, but even if he does, it's such a small amount of money. Is it worth doing all this? Uh, great comment from Trey here. He says, could Crawford be suing? Because Aram constantly says uh, he's losing money on Crawford. Even if true, it's hurting Crawford's stock for future promotions. Now that is a really good point and something that might have some teeth to it. If Crawford is insinuating that his market value has been hurt by Aram's, I would say idiotic statements about his own client losing the money. I thought those were really stupid uh, misstatements by Bob. Um, If Crawford is arguing that that will hurt his value in the marketplace, he might be onto something there. Now, maybe a judge will hear that out. That's going to be hard to prove because it's hard to prove what your value is going to be in the future. How do you prove that? But maybe he'll get the judge to listen to that. That's a really good point, dude, that I had not considered before. You see, that's why you guys uh, are on the chat, man, because you you bring up some great, great points. I wouldn't have even thought of that. All right, back to the phones. Five one zero. You're on the show. What's going on? About time, Montero. You, Mama Luke. <laughs> What's up, Drew? How you doing, man? What's up? What's going on? Um, so real quick, in regards to the Crawford nonsense, 
there's a force majeure in that contract. Aaron was offering reduced purses to fighters because there was no audience, no live gate. Yep. He and like the other guys didn't want to take the fight. Um, and let's just be honest. He has no smoking gun. If he had anything like Donald Sterling, like Donald Sterling was on camera and the NBA made him sell and kicked him out. If he had anything like that on top rank, that would force ESPN to dissolve the relationship. He doesn't Ooh. have nothing like that. It would have came out already. That's another great point. That's another great point. Cause Disney, yeah, he, he, they don't that, play that with that, that kind of shit. They'd be out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't have anything like that. That's a really good point. You man. know, um, and the last time I checked, and I, I went to Crawford's last fight in, in Vegas, it's not the boxing promoter's job to promote a fighter's brand. That's his manager, and that's his publicist's job. Yep. Your boxing promoter's job is to promote your boxing fight. Yep. Damn, and dude. I, I, was told, uh, by a couple, I was told by a couple pundits, that top rank has an Excel file of every time Crawford um, denied trying to do any media obligation. Yes, they they I've been told the same thing. So, and I like Bud as a fighter, but he just never wanted to play the game. Uh, him and like a lot of her, they don't want to play the game of being uh, of what it takes to self promote to to be a fighter, like. And that's what's going to affect your marketability. You think AJ and Canelo like doing all these press tours, these media obligations? No, but they do it. And that's why they're the stars. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to be a star in boxing, in any sport. You're not just – you. Can, and, and another thing is that'd be like LeBron only playing in the playoffs and expecting to get all this money and only yeah. playing like 20 games a year. No, it doesn't work like that you can't fight one to two times a year and think you're going to be a household name that's just not possible yeah and you don't have no social media presence these so, are all great points and like like in the nba let's say you're talking about lebron james the nba markets you your brand to a certain extent just like in mma the ufc markets your brand you know people hear ufc they they expect a certain thing just like when they hear nfl nba but in boxing, dude, it's it's every man for himself, basically. And you are the brand as the fighter. And now with social media, these guys got no yeah, fucking I, excuse to not market themselves. And I can I can and I'm very critical of top rank. They're not they're good at building fighters. They haven't adopted to promoting athletes of the twenty first century. I was saying that back with the Ramirez Taylor fight. They didn't even have a, a overseas broadcast for that. So yeah, I'm very critical of Top Rank in terms of how they, they actually grow the sport that and promote fight. it um, in a, in the 21st century. Um, but Crawford, yeah, I mean, you could just it's a, it's a reach, just you know, just to get some some pub and some slander. In regards to the Polly trust, saw the whole thing. There's things I agree with what Polly said, and there's things I vehement vehemently disagree with. But I don't expect a boxer and a high school dropout like Polly said he was to to be a scholar to know these things so i can ex ex take it at face value the only thing that probably did probably shouldn't have said what he said about george floyd being a crackhead there was no there was no point for him to offer up that uh internal monologue because steve or mario didn't even broach that anywhere near that subject matter 
he just willingly, you know, when you just start talking and you just offer up stuff, you don't even know you're saying it sometimes. Mm-hmm. He, it's like he said diarrhea of the mouth when he was thinking it. And My mom like, calls you know, that diarrhea of yeah. the mouth. And, yeah. and it's like, come on, bro. Like, regardless of how you feel about the, the it, it was more attack on liberals, but regardless of how Polly feels about liberals, um, the people going crazy didn't listen to the whole clip. I saw the whole interview. He said uh, he didn't deserve to die in the fashion he died or for the crime he was accused of to die. But, okay, you could have left it at that. There's no need to go into opining on, on that other stuff. Yeah. Because, and like the other caller said, like, yeah, what was the point of you hating on Larry Merchant when you were young? Like, Larry Merchant never claimed to be a boxing expert. He always said, I tell the story of the fight from a fan's perspective. It's semantics. So, you know, we everybody has biases. Everybody has um, everybody has an agenda to a degree. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the climate that we live in, you know. But um, I'm not surprised they took it down. I know there's people above that were like, oh, no, that's a bad look for us, especially for Mario and the, all the 50 million jobs he has. So it was out of his hands, out of Triller's hands. Yes. But like I said, like, Polly, just come on, bro. You're smart enough to not even... There was no... You don't benefit by saying anything like that. That there's no... Other than this backlash of, you know, bad publicity. That's it. I know I know. Pauly had been holding on to a lot of things for a long time. And he was looking for an outlet to speak about it. Uh, not that he was like seeking that, but uh, the next time Paulie was going to be on a major show like Steve and, and Mario's show, he was going to let it rip because I, I've communicated a few times with him over like the last year since he got fired with Showtime. And you could tell he was bottling this shit up because he they silenced him. And man, he probably just, again, I haven't seen it, but I'm, my guess he, is but, he just but, got on there and ripped. Mike, let's be real. He's been bought. He's been. He's been bottling it up since the McGregor. He was going crazy with the McGregor sparring shit for over a year. Yeah, yeah. Paulie too gets sensitive. Remember when he was? Remember when he before he even got to Showtime, he was criticizing criticizing Al Heyman, saying they're fixing fights or not giving them the right kind of thing going on. And the minute he signs with Heyman and gets to Showtime, he switches and starts attacking Pacquiao. He flips. I can't defend any and of that, Paulie's bro. A great analyst, but if we're going to call it, yeah. We kind of call it down the line, like he was hot at everybody, like on that side of the street. Then he got on that side of the street, and people that know boxing know, like, like that's Paulie. Though he, he was he flip flopped like that. He complained about the McGregor shit for I don't know how long, and you know he's an emotional guy. You know he's he's, he's one of your uh, he's, he's Italian. You know, he's an emotional guy. He's gonna he's gonna say what's on his mind, and and you know, like you said, his diarrhea of the mouth, but. People have said worse shit, Mike. People in the media. Oh my god! People in the media are saying worse shit. Dog, yeah. People, you know, it's like the people on boxing Twitter. What they're trying to do to Joe Rogan right now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the world we live in, bro. Have a great day. I want to keep it short and sweet. It's the world we live in. Yeah. I appreciate you calling in, brother. Have a great weekend, man. All right. Yep. All right. Peace. All right, um, let's see. We got a couple more callers here. I want to get to some of this. I want to make sure I didn't miss any uh, 
don't think there's any more super chats. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to make sure. I saw Fight Doctor brought up Lomachenko. But we're not even talking about Lomachenko. Why would you bring him up? And he said that Lomachenko shamelessly ducked Devin Haney. Dog. I think you're going to want to walk that back because that's not what took place. All right, back to the phones. <clears throat> Got a couple more. 317, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, what's up, Mike? It's Indy. How are you? Good. How are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. Man, uh, so about the three knockdown rule thing yesterday, I just think it's sad that we've come to a state in our country where if you share your opinion and people don't agree with it, they immediately try to knock it down and, and censor it, whether it's through your employer, whether it's through anybody else. You know, we all come from different shapes and walks of life, and I think it's that opinion that's important for uh, for us to continue to have. And the moment one side decides to shut down the other, you know, we halt all progress. So so whether or not you agree with Paulie is not even something that I'm even concerned with. He, he's entitled to his own opinion. He's entitled to his own life experiences and everything else but uh but when somebody says no you can't say that you know that's where i start to have a problem a problem with with all this whole thing you know so it, it's just crazy to see you know you, you and i both know why that was taken down and uh it's sad to know that in this country that you can't even start something on your on your own without having somebody else come along and tell you you can't do that yeah, there's a very small group of people that, again, disproportionately control media, academia. I call it the axis, the axis of media, academia, uh, the entertainment industry, and big tech. And the problem with the censorship, the problem I have with it, is it very often goes in one direction. And I, it's like, for me, I'm either going to let everybody rip and say what they got to say, or I'm going to censor everybody you can't be one-sided about it and uh that's my issue with this whole thing now all that being said i haven't seen the show so i, I really can't say what paulie said you know it, it wasn't over the line or not because i haven't seen it but i just generally speaking man i'm just not for censorship and there's too much of that shit going on and there's too many people out there trying to cancel everybody and instead of trying to cancel everybody why can't we just talk about things and, and try to find some understanding you know well, that's the way it used to work yeah, well, it, and and not only that, but but to even the the complaint that you've heard is like, well, he just shouldn't have called George Floyd a crackhead. So he called this man a name, and we decided to pull down the whole interview. Like that's where we're at in this country because he said he he said a name that made you feel some kind of way, and now we they drop a ninety minute interview because like like we yeah, have why to not be just take that segment that, out? You know. It's, why not just exactly, edit that segment out? You know, exactly. you're gonna pull the whole now again. I, Again, full disclosure, because you know everyone's watching me all the time and looking for something that could take out of context. I just have to be clear. I haven't seen it. But if, if, if you know, he said a few things that, a few sentences that bothered people, take out those few sentences and leave the rest of the interview up. Because I know Paulie, and it, he steps over the line, but he's also a smart guy that is really on point uh, and understands the boxing business. He's on point with a lot of that stuff. And I was very interested to watch the interview, to hear what he had to say about boxing stuff, you know? Uh, so it sucks that they took the whole thing down. Yeah, it was definitely a great interview. Especially when you start talking about Showtime and, and his relationship with Espinosa. And there was a lot of stuff that happened before that. And he just sprinkled in bits of, bits of his viewpoint, which he's entitled to have. 
but mm-hmm. I, but I feel like that if that viewpoint was on the other side politically, he, people he would be a champion of the left. He would be the Colin Kaepernick of the left. But since he sits on the right side of the aisle, people don't have time to hear that. No, plus, if they can get it taken off, they will. So just wanted to say have a good weekend, man. You too, brother. Thanks a lot, man. All right, we got, let's jump to one more. I, I think this is Chad. Let me see. I might be wrong, but uh, Chad, is this you? Hey, Mike, how are you? It is. Good, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I know a lot's been said about three knockdown rule. That's really all I wanted to call about. Um, I do want to say big shout out to Vlad. Great call. Yeah. Um, and really, uh, he captured like, 75% of what I, I really wanted to say. So I, I just kind of want to add my own personal point of view. Like I did listen to the episode. I didn't watch it. I was at work. I was just listening. Um, three knockdown rule. One of my favorite boxing podcasts. Um, I feel like what makes it unique is it's quirky. It's fun. Uh, it's upbeat. And they keep things kind of short and sweet. They never dive too deep into anything. They just kind of give their opinion quick, move on, move on, move on. And they don't have guests on very often. So I was definitely excited for Paulie to be on. And things were going really well. <laughs> Excuse me. He was talking about all kinds of great stuff. And even when it started getting racy, you know, where uh, race was involved specifically, um, I, I didn't mind it so much there. But it, it kind of got to a point for me that the wheels just kind of felt like they fell off. And... And I agree with Vlad, like Steve and Mario, just, there was just nothing coming from them. Like they were just sitting in silence. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I disagree with Vlad that I, I didn't feel like they were being overwhelmed particularly. Maybe they were just, I wasn't watching. So maybe they were just really engrossed in what he was saying. I don't know. But when he started talking about Floyd and it just, it just really veered away from boxing and it really just felt like I hate to say it but like a soapbox and I wasn't offended and I didn't it doesn't matter if I agreed or disagreed it's just not what I want from three knockdown rule it's just not what I want so I, I'm not gonna lie I, I shut it off I shut, I turned it off I, I was bored I was bored it's just so can I you know, briefly interrupt people uh, uh, just I oh just, yeah yeah because you hit on so, you were an adult you turned it off. That's all you got to do, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. If you don't like it, <laughs> fucking turn it off. Okay, sorry, Chad. Go ahead. No, thanks. I'm glad you see it that way. Because, uh, yeah, like, um, and 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 truthfully, um, back to what, like, Vlad again, I, I didn't necessarily agree with everything he was saying, but um, I felt what he was putting his heart out there and he was speaking from the hip. And I, I can respect that. Um, I don't have to agree with it, but again, um, you know, if Steve and Mario are listening to this, um, you guys, you lost the format of the show. You lost the format and for Triller to pull it, we all know why they pulled it, but I could also understand if that's not what they want from the show either. You know, I kind of get it because it's not what I want from three knockdown rule. So I don't know. Um, I, I'm looking forward to Polly being uh, on on your show, Mike, and I hope that you guys will talk about whatever Polly wants to talk about, get into things. And um, but yeah, like I don't know. I think he had already made his point. It just kind of went a little too far 
down the rabbit hole for me that, in that way. But that's all I wanted to say, Mike. And uh, I'm going to let you go now, man. I got to go have dinner. So uh, we'll see you on Monday, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Have a great weekend, Chad. Thanks, brother. Okay. Bye. Man, great stuff today, guys. I mean, just outstanding calls from all of you guys today, man. And uh, some great comments, too. I mean, you guys have made me um, see this stuff from different angles that I haven't even considered. So I really want to thank you for that. I'm trying to think if there's anything I can add to this. Um, I, I feel ill-equipped to talk about the Three Knockdown Roll podcast specifically because, again, I, I just I didn't watch it. Um, for those of you who got on the show later, go back and watch my opening rant because I want to make sure that I drive those points home. Um, As it relates to the Crawford Aram thing, we'll see what happens and what takes place. But I just hate when boxers get involved in lawsuits and I'd rather see these guys fighting in the ring. If there is any credibility to it and he ends up getting compensated and we find out that Top Rank acted inappropriately in any way, whether it be uh, racial bias or uh, male practice, you know, not not uh, serving their client to the best of their ability, then then cool. Then, then we'll we'll address that and we'll talk about it if and when that comes up. But on the surface, this looks pretty frivolous and I don't think much will come from it. As it relates to the three knockdown rule, um, some of you guys have made some great points and what I would what I would be curious about is uh, for Triller, could they have maybe pulled? Now I I don't know if YouTube won't let you like go in and edit a video after it's it's loaded up, right? But could they have pulled down the video, taken out certain segments, and reposted it? Um, could they have done something like that? Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I I want to say that if I were in their position. That's maybe what I would have done or um, maybe left it to the listeners to decide what should we do with this. But ultimately, there is pressure put on people that are involved with the show to take it down. And it really, really would affect their livelihood and how they make a living. So it was even beyond Triller's uh, decision making. Okay, that's really all I can say on the record, guys. You could probably do the math there, but um, yeah, it's tough, man. Um, We live in a place, we live in a country right now, in a society right now, where people often think they have the right to not be offended, okay? Um, There's no such thing as that. If you go out into the real world, there's no such thing as a safe space, right? The world, you, you take a risk every day, just wait, waking up. Okay. Uh, you can, there's a million things that could happen to you. Right. So the, the, I just, of everything you guys said today, when Chad, the last caller said, you know, man, they lost me as a viewer. It went off boxing. It got off on this political racial thing that I didn't want to hear. So I turned the shit off. That is the best response I've heard from anybody, from all of you guys, because ultimately that's the best thing to do when you're seeing something or hearing something that isn't entertaining you and they've lost you. If it's becoming toxic to you, 
because we all have different sensitivities, right? We all have different sensitivities to all these different things. If something's becoming toxic to you, get rid of it. If there's a, even a family member, a friend, a family member, coworker that is adding poison in your life and it's toxic. If there's a show you're watching or an app that you're getting on and it's becoming toxic, log the fuck off for a minute. I got to be honest, Twitter this week was rough, man. I really took a lot of abuse from people. I probably blocked a dozen or so people. Uh, it, it hurt me to see colleagues like Jake Donovan retweeting some of these guys, uh, not even fact-checking it or, or checking in with me. And it's not that I'm losing sleep over anything they're saying because I know what they're saying is bullshit. I know it's not true. But taking abuse like that publicly and people like tarnishing your legacy and your, your name publicly it does wear on you. So I'm probably logging out of Twitter this weekend. I'm probably not going to tweet. And I'm going to do that increasingly more and more. I'm just going to take a break because sometimes it just becomes toxic. So, all right, if we've learned anything on today's show, let's stick to Chad's point of if something isn't right in your mind and it's, it's becoming, again, it's becoming a drain on you. It's, it's taking away your positivity and adding negativity. Turn that shit off. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. And uh, thank you again for awesome calls. Everyone keeping it civil. You guys are fucking great, man. Have a wonderful weekend. And let's uh, chop it up on TNC Monday. All right? Peace. I love you guys. This was fucking awesome, man. Thank you so much. <laughs>